0: Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that winners is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley and we're joined with by uh, Supercoach Royalty tonight. The 2016 overall winner, Wilfred, is back on. Hey, how's the Supercoach been treating you the last few weeks, mate?
1: Yeah, um, it's good to be back, Monsie. Uh It's been it's been an interesting ride, I think. Had a decent week last week, and I'm just on the cusp of the top of 1,000, which I think is a, it's a good benchmark for everyone to have a
0: crack at. Yeah, you've been uh, going well about the, feeling... the last month. You've been moving on up pretty well, nicely.
1: Yeah, I've been feeling pretty good about the team, to be honest. Um, I've I've... On with uh, quite a few pods, and I've skipped a couple of the more popular players, but somehow I've been managing to hang-, hang in there, so can't complain really.
0: Oh, good stuff, mate. Yeah, I've, I've been noticing because I think I was on your heels about a month ago, and I had a few good weeks. Then <laughs> you just you've shot up more than a few thousand in front of me now. Um, so yeah. I've, I'm yeah. hoping to make up my uh, my buy my buy week is going to be my week to hopefully make up some ground. So speaking of which, it's um, Come around quite quickly, around 13, and I think a few people have been caught off guard. I mentioned last week quite a few head-to-head teams um, that I'm playing that are ranked in that top few thousand are um, really, really short, and obviously with the two trades as well, I know a few people got caught out and thought they might have had four trades for this round and there's not, uh, and then yep. we've got a whole heap of stuff in the TLT, so looks like a really good week to, to make a big move, mate.
1: Yeah, look, I definitely think so, especially with the origin team's being announced, a couple of you know, potential selections that people were trying to count on that they wouldn't, you know, get picked. Uh, the likes of Luttrell and Angus Crichton, you know, getting selected obviously has thrown a spanner in
0: the works for a few people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean I think um we might have chatted about this on chat, but um I think we got a little bit hoodwinked this year into thinking that it was a an easy, easy buy schedule and it's actually crept up and been pretty tough.
1: Yeah, I think all the, all the hype in the preseason season uh, has kind of, you know, made everyone perhaps be a bit, you know, lowered their guard, so to speak, but it's really come on, and, and I have to say, like, looking at it closely, this could be one of the toughest buy periods that we've come across.
0: Yep, I agree, and that makes uh, this week's uh, trade-ins and trade-outs all the more important, so, um how many have you actually got this week after your two trades? What are you going to field numbers-wise? So
1: right now, um, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sitting on 14, uh, which I think is a decent number, but I am sweating on a few dodgy numbers in there. So one <laughs> of them, uh, one, two, two of my 14 are actually sitting on an extended bench. So uh, Nathan Brown, <laughs> I've uh, held for a long time, I think for a big... You know, pod play in round 13 when I thought he'd be back, and you know, no one else would have be, would have had the patience to hold him. But unfortunately, uh, he's named outside the 17, which is just devastating to me. Um, so he's I, I'm I'm really hoping for some good late mail to to have him come in. Uh, and you know, I mean, there's some real plotters in that eels pack. So surely, you know, an 80% fit Nathan Brown is better than. Uh, you know some of the guys in in that team at the moment, so uh, I'm praying for the extra number there. and um I've also got well, like plenty of other people Sioni Katoa. He's um he named in the twenty, so again, missed the top seventeen. but I think what's on what what's a potential uh, you know flicker of hope is that right now uh, Chancellor Agan has two specialist left wingers, inetrically and Zaiafeki. Land and the team and Katoa obviously started off the year on the right wing, so fingers crossed he
0: might go for specialist right winger and do a late swap. I think you're reaching a little bit on Katoa, if I'm going to be honest, but I actually, <laughs> I actually don't mind the, um... I don't mind the Nathan Brown call though. I, I actually think that he's a, a better than decent shot of um, being a, an inclusion in the 17 this week, so I think you might get some luck there. So that I reckon you probably get one out of two if you. A little bit lucky, so that's probably thirteen for you. Um,
1: yeah, so if I use my two trades, I can bump that up to fifteen. But I'm actually struggling to to work out two people I want to bring in. So definitely bringing in um all with one of my trades. Yep. But my other trade, I I really don't know. I mean, I don't have Sam Burgess, and he would have been the no brainer. But I'm I'm having second thoughts well, whether I
0: actually want to count for the year. I might sell you on a couple of guys uh, shortly then, mate, and then we can uh, get you stocked up to 15. So um, we'll see. I've got got 15 after my two trades, 13 prior to trading, and I was aiming for 15. Um, Initially, I did want the 17, but I looked ahead and did the planning for round 17, and I realized I needed to sort of balance it a little bit. So I was going for 15 to 16 in each of round 13 and and, um, 17. So now I've got the 15. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I've probably only got one real plotter on there, actually, which is the gauze. Um, Aside from the Goz, everyone else is actually a pretty good player, so pretty pleased. But I, I think um, if we'll get stuck in a market watch very shortly, but probably something that I think I'm interested in your take for advice for people. I'm um, seeing a lot of teams that obviously are struggling this round and are looking at bringing guys in. I think it's just as important now if you didn't um, if you wanted to go well in the buy round and you're finding yourself short this round you really need to then start planning for round 17 and that next month um, from next week onwards you're really going to have to be you know learning from your round 13 lesson and trading guys in and even now with your round 13 trade i um, I'd be looking towards what your round 13 trade-ins are going to mean for round 17 and for example we're going to talk about Maddie Moylan. Um, and one of the reasons I'm pretty high on him is because he might make me 100 grand in a month, which will then allow me to trade him to someone better for round 17. And that's kind of how I'm sort of planning the next month. Um, do you think the guys really need to be getting on to round 17 immediately from from next round? Pretty much. I think there's
1: two real ways to look at this. Um, one being, you know, if you're low on trades because you've been burning them like crazy. So it's similar to myself. So I'm sitting on 16 trades, which is way less than I wanted to have at the start of this round. But, um, yeah, for various reasons, I have uh, couldn't help myself. So I've max traded. So I'm looking at bringing people I'm going to keep in my team for the rest of the year. Yeah. So I, you know, the likes of Matt Moylan, I, I, I'm forbidding myself from going there because I just can't afford the trade to get him out of my team for someone later on. Well, the way I've looked at this, uh, I think you either, if you're low on trades, you bring in keepers, and you're strengthening not just your team for round 13, but your team for, you know, the rounds in between. So you're bringing in keepers who strengthen your 17 on non-buy weeks as well. Um, I think that's that's one way. Of the, if you got the discretionary trades and you're still struggling for 13, then yeah, I definitely think you know what your strategy is like with um, Moylan bringing in guys who. Not only can give you an extra number for this week, but can make you some coin. Um, you know, might have a fairly kind run, so you could consider playing them in your team for the next couple of weeks, and then you know, offloading them for a seventeen keeper slash end of year gun. Um, you know, if you can find one. Yep,
0: no, that makes total sense. And um, I'm, I mean, you've got sixteen trades, so um, I understand where you're coming from. I'm flush with trades, mate. I've got more than you. I'm on seventeen, so I'll just go crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, That's the one extra trade I needed to be able to
0: afford Moylan <laughs> Well let's get stuck into market watch then And uh, Matty Moylan's on the top of our list So let's talk about him a little bit more He um, is priced at 450000 on the dot And uh, has a break even of minus um, 37 Because he scored a massive 134 points Against the Knights last round um, He's also got uh, a 9 out of his rolling average now from a few weeks ago, Um, so he does project to potentially go on a bit of a um, money-making run. A couple of reasons why I like him, and then you can uh, let me know why I'm wrong, Wilfred. Um, One of the things that I'm looking at is, like I mentioned initially, um, there's a a few other guys that I was looking at at 5'8", you know, Cody Walker was another one that I was considering, but the thing with Moylan that I like is he's only 450k, which is cheaper Um, than some other options as well in in other spaces in my team. Um, He is a big negative BE guy, so he's going to make some cash. Um, I really like what I saw from the Sharks lately. Um, He's been not as terrible as what maybe people think. He's got a 9 and a 22 in there, but there's a lot of 40s and 50s um, and a couple of big scores in between, so he hasn't been too bad. And more importantly, though, Round 13, I'm targeting this Souths game massively. I think that Souths' backline looks absolutely putrid outside their halves. And I think that uh, the Sharks are only missing Valentine Holmes, whereas Souths are missing Angus Crichton um, and Damien Cook out of their pack. And out of their backline, they've obviously got Gagai and Inglis um, and Johnston's under an injury cloud. So the Sharks might be the best team of the week. And Matty Moylan got his six tries this last week. After that, they've got two games at home versus the West Tigers and the Broncos, and then an away match versus the Warriors, so not a bad run. So I am warming to the um, grabbing Matty Moylan and flicking him and in about a month and hopefully making a bit of cash, and I will say, mate, before I hand over to you, that he's been traded in by 8.2% of coaches at the moment, and he's the number one traded in player, so... On the weekend, I was shaping up as looking at him as a pod. He's probably not going to quite be that, but looks like a lot of coaches are interested. Uh, is 8.2% of us crazy, or you can see a bit of value there?
1: Yeah, look, I can certainly see the, the appeal. I mean, you presented really valid points. He's got the break-even. So at the very least, he's a free swing. You get two weeks of 134 in your rolling average. He could go up anywhere from you know minimum of 50, 60 grand in a week so he could easily make you 100 to 120 grand plus play round 13 and like you said there are a few nice potential games coming up which if he you know scores another nice 80 plus score in there he'll keep going up some more but look there's a lot of reasons you know you could take a punch on him um i think like i said i think if i had more trades i probably would give him a go just because of you know all the reasons you outlined um having said that you know for me, a lot of it's got to be whether he passes your eye test. I watched him in that Raiders game when he scored nine. and Oh my gosh, I was so, <laughs> I was like, I was just shaking my head. It was like a horror movie playing out because he was that bad. But then you watch him, you know, maybe he's a flat track bully, but you watch him, you know, destroy the Knights and kind of think, was that really the same guy two weeks ago? So it's a tough one. Like, I think, you know, if you've watched him a lot closer, Arguably, yeah, he's been much better the last two weeks, but he's also faced the Bulldogs in the Knights. Yeah. You know, not exactly, um, you know, teams that are on the up right now. Uh, and obviously, that's the Knights away from home plus missing Mitchell Peers. So, look, having said that, you, you, you're spot on with um, your analysis of the South team that doesn't look great given the, num- the, the, the names that they're missing. Um, you know, and, and obviously, the Sharks are pretty much full strength given uh, a bit of fortune at the judiciary um, and yeah I think having Wade Graham next to him actually has made a big difference to Moreland's ability to you know play a bit more freely uh, he gets a bit more space because obviously Graham is a bit more of an attacking threat as well so defense has to you know watch both of them basically as opposed to you know all due respect to the likes of Scott Anderson and Kate Well and Virginia and anyone else <laughs> who's filled in on that left edge they're no Wade Graham so uh, I think yeah. Look, there's a lot of positives there. Um, I'm not as bullish as you are on the on the on the draw because Tigers have been an absolute supercoach desert for a lot of this year. Uh, the Warriors, you know, who who knows who turns up because the Denver test um, and and there's there's all articles coming out about you know maybe the players aren't going to get released to play uh, by the NRL clubs. Like who knows what's going to play out there. <laughs> I noticed you left out your
0: Broncos in between that, mate. You're uh, <laughs> trying to get away. We're not uh, talking about that at Shark Park.
1: I don't know. Who depends who plays. I mean, if we get Gillette and, and Maguire back and we're pretty much full strength, then I don't think it's going to be as a cakewalk as you as it could be. You know, Having said that, if we're decimated still with injuries, then, yeah, get on, the Sharks. <laughs> um, well, yeah,
0: look, uh, we've got, um, I guess... There you go. Uh, I think that we've got probably um, another option as well that neither of us have spoken about. Uh, you could just play him for this week against South, then not worry yourself about him scoring nine points and just bench him for the rest of it and hope that he makes you some cash and then cash out in round 16. So then you're not going to risk the lower points. I mean, for my team as an example, I've got Gareth Widdop there um, alongside him. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I do. So um, that's going to work out quite well because I could just play with it for you know, that three weeks of Tigers, Broncos and Warriors, use Moylan just for round 13 and then hopefully cash out with 120 grand more in my pocket and just trade him to someone for round 17.
1: Yes, yeah, very valid point as well and I guess that comes down to each person's individual team because yeah. I know some people are looking at uh, a Milford to Moyland trade and not having like they might have Brimson as his backup. At 5'8". So, you know, if, you, if you're if you in that situation, I'd probably, you know, I wouldn't be as confident. But if you've got Widdup sitting there already, you know, then, yeah, absolutely. You've got the option of benching more and you don't have to play him each of these weeks. Um, that, that's definitely a much safer play. So, yeah, look, uh, like I said, if I had more trades, I'd probably take the punt myself. But at this stage, um, I don't.
0: But you do. <laughs> one single more trade than I do. <laughs> and that's reserved for Matty Moylan, yeah, well, so there we go. I'll uh, I'll pull the trigger. Um but let's not talk about Moylan anymore yeah. because uh, I don't want people to jump on him. So we'll move over to his sharks <laughs> teammate. Yeah. Um Josh Dugan. Um little bit of a slight left field one. I actually raised him on the pod uh five weeks ago or something, as uh you know, my yeah. smoky pod of the week. And he looked great and scored like sixty two points and then got injured. Um, and went off for that yep. last portion of the game, so I killed him. Um, he he looked quite good again on the weekend. Um, he's been remarkably consistent, where his last five games, he scored 64, 62, 61, 46, 64. So four out of those five, he's been between 61 and 64 points. Um, and he only has uh, the one try out of those five games as well uh, for his 58 average, I believe, over the last five. So um, not... Um, a bad run at all coming up for him um, against that south side. Price at five hundred eleven k. He's not going to make you any cash really because he's got to be around his performance level at um, high fifties. So I was looking at him Wilfred well as a bit of a pod option because um, no one's trading this guy in. And like I said, I, I do think the Sharks will go well. Obviously, there's the caveat that he could get hurt, but um, you know. Leaving that to the side for a minute, um, is Josh Dugan someone that people should maybe be interested in for this week?
1: I do know so, a few people who took a punt on him last week
0: um, and brought him in,
1: expecting him to miss Origin, obviously trying to cash in on the points on offer against the Knights. Yep. So, look, uh, he, look he's not for me. I've, I've owned Dugan in the past, and uh, especially when he played fullback for the Dragons. I mean, all always great base stats, but... You know, that's always been the issue with him. He either scores tries or just takes a million hit-ups and doesn't do much else. But, you know, breaking down the scores a little more, I've actually noticed that he scored only one try in the last five games, but he's also had four tries, one each week, basically. Yep. Which, that's that's like unheard of for Dugan. You know, he probably had four tries across three years playing for the Dragons. So, you know, whether that's because he's, you know, in a better system of attack with the Sharks or whether that's just been, you know, perhaps a bit of a purple patch for him. I don't know. But um, like you said, I think he's certainly worth considering. Um, I won't go there myself because I, I know what it's like to own Josh Dugan. You don't <laughs> want to watch the footy when he's playing because it's, yeah, every every time he takes the ball for a, a carry, you, do, you just don't know what you're going to get when he gets up, if he gets up.
0: Yeah, I hear you completely, and I'd, I'd probably have to switch off the Sharks game and not watch it. But um, he's, I guess for me, the other thing too is that um, I hear you with the triasis, and I was a bit perplexed with it too. But watching them and look, just sort of looking at the side, I think it might be because they don't really have super dominant halves, and I think that he's just feeling a lot more comfortable at fullback um, with that, the way that they are with Moylan on one side and Townsend on the other. I just think he's a bit more comfortable and he's just getting better options and the Sharks themselves are rounding into form, which is giving him options in turn. So I wouldn't be surprised if he continued to with it. He's not going to do it every week with a tri-assist every week, but I think he'll get more than his, say, St. George days at fullback. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's an option. He's definitely a bit of a pod hand grenade option. He's only aimed by a couple of percent. So um, that's the other thing um, for this, this Round 13 buy. With any buy, really, you know this very well, Wilfred. You've killed the buys before. The guys that um, are near the top of those buy rounds are guys that have managed to jag uh, a bit of a stud that no one owns and get the big scores out of them. Um, and Dugan's sort of staring at me as one of those guys that look. maybe he throws up an 80, and that's one of the top you know, five to six scores of the round or something with a short week.
1: Yeah, look, definitely. He's... Um... Certainly capable of it. I know he's never had the highest ceiling, so he doesn't ton up very often. But he's certainly, you know, fairly capable with his high base stats of getting the seventy-five to ninety range fairly easily. So, like, I, like I, I couldn't blame someone for having a punt on him.
0: Yep. Um, someone that you probably could blame someone for having a punt on at the moment, just based on his performance. Um, Paul Gallen. Um, I was all set to to bring Gal in this week. Um, when I was looking ahead when he was out injured, but four hundred and eighty thousand um and he scored forty one points in fifty seven minutes on the weekend the week before he scored fifty six points in fifty three minutes um, It just looks like he 's not going to get the minutes he 's only gotten above sixty minute above fifty seven minutes once this year out of his eight games um and he 's just looking a little bit old and his offload's been tucked away quite a bit this season so I'm fairly, I'm fairly off Paul Gallen. Um, I think that you feel the same from some of our discussions.
1: Yeah, look, I'm definitely. I've been waiting all season to see him have that one good game, and apart from that, you know, eighty-four, he smashed out in seventy-something minutes. He's just not been the old Gallen, you know. He's he's missing tack- like obviously last week. You know, the I can kind of forgive the score given the scoreline. Um, and, and it probably the amount of time he spent just waiting around for, for Townsend to, to try to kick a goal. But at the same time, you know, missing six tackles, that's very not gallon like um, You know, the errors and penalties have always kind of been there, but he's never been one to miss that many tackles. he yep. make plenty and take the runs. And he's always had a really high percentage of hit-ups over eight metres compared to his hit-ups, you know, under eight metres. Mm-hmm. But this year, it's just not been there like, you know, if you look down his his stats column, this, there was one week where he actually made, you know, just four runs over eight meters and twelve under eight, which is incredible. That that's not gallon you know. Yep. Uh, even the last few weeks, coming back from injury, you know, 22 runs, sorry, 11 runs over eight meters and seven under, like that. That kind of rate is weird. Normally, you were used to seeing like 15 runs over eight meters and maybe like two oh. or three under eight meters. Like, that, that's the Paul gallon you want in your team and not this, you know, poor excuse
0: of a Paul gallon that we're used to. <laughs> well, it's its one of those things that's a little bit concerning now because um, uh, you, you've always got to be really careful in buying guys on reputation, I think. Um, and a lot of people are going to buy Paul Gallon this week on reputation. Sometimes you can do that if you think that you're seeing a glimmer of hope or you think that the sample size is maybe small or there's outliers – my problem with it is that I think, um, you know, he's played eight games this year now. Eight games is a reasonable sample size. It's, it's almost a third of a season um, to say, well, this is maybe what Gallen is and what he is is not very good. Um, he's very, very surprisingly, one of the numbers that stuck out to me, he's only in eight games, seven out of eight of those games, he has not hit 60 plus points. <clears throat> That's just crazy to me scary. Yeah, so I think I think People will be best, best served steering clear actually Because I don't see any uh, light at the end of the tunnel Your missed tackle point, Wilfred Is a really good one He's missing those numbers of tackles In less minutes uh, Which is really concerning So yeah, I, I'd actually advise people to steer clear Myself, I agree with you on him um, Let's talk about
1: uh, yeah, only, uh, Sorry, yep. just to jump in to, to play devil's advocate a little though Yep Paul gallon at four hundred eighty thousand is the only other reason you might take a punt on him, because for that price, like right now, uh, if you look at the other names available, people could be buying Penny Terrapo for four seventy, or <laughs> Isaac Liu for four eighty four, or you know Ed Guerra for four sixty four, Gavin Cooper for four eighty four. You know that's the price range that he's hitting at at the moment, and you know that's. Like, people are spending that kind of coin on, on, on Michael Cheehan, you know, even though he's obviously available on the center wing. But, you know, like, like I think that's the the reason you might actually consider Allen because he is that cheap right now. Um, and it's, I mean, can he go worse? Like, can he get cheaper than what he is now?
0: No, no he, he can't. He's like, probably he bottom will. dollar. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's maybe the other reason that you might, take the punt you like you you either end up with this 40 to <clears throat> excuse me 40 to 55 ish get poor gallon who you know at the end of the day if that sits in your bench for the rest of a year you know he's going to score at his price and that's it like it's 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 a potential upside of you get the old gallon for a, a couple of weeks back and maybe you, you roll him out in your team and he's a great pod for you I don't know, that's just me playing devil's advocate.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's a fair devil's advocate because he is cheap. Um, And
1: he's only 4% owned.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how much it's going to go up this next couple of weeks, actually. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting what his ownership's like. Um, My problem is that I know myself as a super coach. I try and protect myself from me because if I own someone like Paul Gallen, (laughs) I'm never, ever going to bench him. And I'm just really worried (laughs) that that means if I've got him... And he's going to give me, you know, 43, 45, 48, 52 points. I'm just just going to kill myself by owning him because I'm going to have to play him. So I'd rather just avoid it. Um, And here we go. Uh, You've segued really nicely, Wilfred, into my new boy, Michael Cheekham. Um, Speaking of him, now, he is 60,000 less than gallons, so not quite the same. Um, 420k. And the last two weeks where he's gotten 80 minutes, he's scored 56 and 80 points respectively um, with um, no clutch attack or attack stats, I don't think. Um, Oh, he's had some, but uh, 50 base last week, raw base, so it's not bad. Um, Centre wing, second row, like you mentioned. Uh, I've been a bit of a fan of Cam. I was saying to Billy last week for a while when he was coming through the younger grades, he was meant to be the next big thing and... Didn't really take off. Um, I um, am going to guess that even though Gallon's four percent owned, uh, Cheekham's still going to be uh, less owned than what Gallon is, um, and certainly going to be a pot option. Do you think that he's locked it down? And are you at all convinced for four hundred and twenty k that he might be worth a punt? A um,
1: couple of points. Firstly, um, Tom Sangster is rating Cheekham as a keeper he's wow. all in and he's going to buy him. So I don't know about that the ownership percentage <laughs> It could skyrocket given, you know, the power that is Tom Sankster.
0: <laughs> I did not know he's, that Tommy his, was his, talking about. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, I haven't listened to the podcast, but apparently he's on um, today's podcast on the you know the, the Daily Telegraph podcast, stroking him. So there you go. Um, having said that, actually last week, his, his 56 came off. Um, that was him playing center wing. Is playing left centre um, because Fanula was up.
0: Oh right, okay. Um, and
1: yeah, so obviously he still worked hard in the centres. Um, so, but as you say, there was a line break in there, so it wasn't quite base. But still, I mean, forty six from your centre yeah. um, playing eighty minutes is still pretty pretty decent floor. Um, I don't know. Like I, I just don't know what's happened to Robbie Rocco. That's the question. Um, a few people mentioned he had been rested last week. Um, that was me scanning from Twitter and, and seeing what some like the trusted West Tigers fans um, you know, had, had had found out. But he's not been named again. So I, I genuinely just don't know. Uh, I, Ivan Cleary is so hard to predict. And the thing that gets me is what he does with Elijah Taylor each week. <laughs> it's like every second week he starts him at hooker or then at lock, yep. depending on what he feels like and that to me creates doubt because you know at a, at a whim he could drop robbie rocco um you know he was obviously a starter for for 10 or so weeks and all of a sudden he's just fallen off the face of the earth no apparent injury he, he went from playing edge for 80 minutes or, or whatever and then he started playing edge for like 30 and then playing 30 in the middle and then he just disappeared <laughs>
0: Well, there was one one possible reason that was uh, thrown out there by a few of us, including me, um, and that was that Robbie Rocco is really, really not a very good football player. So, <laughs> there, there is that reason. That's always, a, that's always a potential shot in the dark that uh, <laughs> he's just been playing progressively worse, uh, taking four hit-ups in a game and stuff, and, um, and clearly he's just said, you know what, forget about it. So, uh, yeah. yeah it
1: I, uh, like I, I can see that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, You know, if if you're convinced that he has nailed down that edge role and will play Eddie each week, then he's a fabulous spy at 420. Um, even if he's going to play, say, 60 on the edge, he's still pretty value, good value at, at 420, I reckon. Um, and the way the centre wing position is this year, you know, 60-minute back rollers could still be keepers or, or top five, six, seven... Center wing. So you get this guy who's 420k. He plays around 13, covers you for a buy, and he could always be a steady 45 in your settling each week if you ever needed one. You know, like, yep. that's not the worst outcome to have. So yeah, like you, like I said, if if you're convinced he'll stay there and keep starting, um, and doesn't get pushed back to the bench or anything like that, um, yeah, go for it.
0: There's certainly some risk. Um, I guess. From my perspective, the thing that I always look at is if they've played really well there, then they're probably and the the guy that they're trying to keep from taking their spot isn't good, then they've probably earned the spot. Um so that's sort of where I'm coming from. He's been there for two weeks now. Robbie Rocco hasn't been good. Uh, Michael Chekham's younger, he's a better player, he's more talented and he's performed. So I'm a little bit um, yeah. less wary of it, but there's still definitely risk. And you like you said, you never know what's gonna happen with Ivan Cleary. But one of the other nice things that he does give you, um, I don't own Ryan Madison. i wanted to own him all year and I just haven't gotten around to it. But if I did have Ryan Madison, and a lot of people do, uh, you could have a really nice dual option there by having, you know, Michael Cheekham at second row forward and Madison in centre wing and um, being able to swap them around as you need to to cover gaps or guys being out and and so forth. Um, So, yeah, I I think he's a bit of a sneaky option at 2%. Um, I definitely wouldn't mind buying him if I had four trades this week, but I don't, so I won't be. Um, But uh, another Ford who is actually one of the more traded in players this week, uh, which surprised me a little bit when I saw it actually, Um, we've got Fitzgibbon from the Knights. Now, he is the ninth most traded in player this week at just under 3% of coaches trading him in. I was a little bit surprised when I saw it uh, because he is $606,000 to bring in. Um, But, you know, I had another look at his numbers which I knew were good and they do stand out as being very good. Um, Do you think that um, Fitzgibbon's going to sort of be able to keep up what he's been doing? Um, I mean, Pierce is due back in not that long away, and he's been scoring at a torrid rate, 78, 49, 83, 88 are his last month of scores. Um, And then before that, he had a bit of a dud at 35, but then he had 64, 82, 83 for that month. So he's had a huge amount of um, great scores, but it's that old Cohen-Hess argument, Wilfred, where you go, man, this guy's been scoring, tries 50% of his games that he's played this year. So, you know, is uh, Edge forward going to be able to score at a 50% clip going forward and maintain those type of scores? That's the concern, I guess.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, as a Fitzgibbon owner, um, I'm certainly not complaining. Um, having said that, look, the the thing with Fitzgibbon, I think, for me, is that his base um, and, and base attack for an edge-back role is, is quite good. I mean, it's it's not Angus Crichton, but it's it's in the top five, I reckon, looking at it. I mean, he, he gets in there and makes his tackles. Yep. Um, if they're to be made, obviously. Uh, but he doesn't, you know, get them every week just because of the fact that the way the Knights play um, you know sometimes they are higher scoring so that obviously means base stats all around can sometimes be a bit lower but you know he, he's definitely one of the more hard working second rowers he'll you know take the hit ups when he, when he can um, and, and the thing with Fitzgibbon I think is it depends which edge he's on like generally you know Ponga has been playing on the left more he favours the left And Fitzgibbon has been left for majority of these games. Um, I think there's only been one or maybe two games where he's played on the right edge in his score so far. Um, so I think as long as he's on that left edge, he's definitely got a much higher chance. Like he's one of, you know, every time Ponga takes the ball on the left, he's got, you know, those three options. He's got the short ball to Fitzgibbon. He's got the cutout over to the winger or he goes himself. Yep. Um, and and each time he does that, like I think if you've got a 33% chance every time Ponga runs the ball of, you know, a guy like Fitzgibbon running a great line and hitting the ball hard and either he'll get another hit up and, or he could get through and score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, look, I think at 606,000, that's probably a higher price than I'd be prepared to pay. Um. So having said that, you
0: know you know who's who he's gonna run at
1: this week, right? Uh
0: who is who's he gonna be matched up against? I'm trying to remember the sides. It's the eels. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember which side um who's he running at? Just tell me I won't be able to guess. Assuming he's on the left. Assuming he's on the left, he's gonna
1: have the joy of running at Mitch Moses. Oh. So
0: That could be a hat trick. <laughs>
1: So, like, you know, I can see why people won't be jumping on. But, you know, like you say, you're counting on those attacking stats to continue. If he's not going to get them, even at a 50% strike rate, even at a 30% strike rate, you know, I can still see him at a 60 average plus for the rest of the year. So he could easily just stay in your team for the remainder of the season. Like, I, I don't think... Um, if you're prepared... You know, realistically, he might not average what he's been averaging for the past month. Um, And you might be thinking slide overs. Like, you know, he'll be a good pickup. And going back to what you were saying, like when we are talking about Dugan, like he's definitely got the potential to be one of those pod scores, you know, top five scores for the week um, on a tough buy round, um, you know, especially running at Mitch Moses this week. So definitely uh, can't blame people for wanting to
0: get a piece of that. Yeah, you've sold me on him a little bit. He does look like um, a pretty reasonable buy. He's only in 6% of teams too, which is nice. So, yeah, I'm actually quite sold on him now. Um, I think for me, my uh, my little plan for him, Wilfred, is not to get him this week because I don't have enough trades. But I'm actually going to wait and um, reassess post-17 where he's at and how he's been performing because he does have a really good matchup against the heels this week. Um, And after the Eels, they actually have five games in a row at home, which is crazy. But the next two after the round 13 bye round, they've got the Sydney Roosters and the Melbourne Storm, um, which shape up as probably two tougher games um, unless each are quite affected from the the origin. Um, Then after that, he's got the Bulldogs and the bye. uh, But he comes out of the, the 17 bye and has Parramatta, Gold Coast and the Cowboys and then Tigers at home and Warriors and Panthers away. So there isn't too bad a draw post-17, um, particularly those first couple of weeks, which I might assess and jump on him for a keeper then.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's a, that's a valid point. Um, like I said, I, I, I as an owner, um, I'm not selling him. He'll probably stay in my team for the rest of the year. I can see him still being a serviceable eighteenth to twentieth man, if not a weekly starter. So I don't see a, a downside to getting him, aside from
0: his price is probably a little bit higher than I'd want at the moment. I'm so jealous that you own him. I, I wish that I had him in my squad, but um let's move on. I'm getting upset about it. Um we're gonna, we're gonna... Hey, I had to sell I sold Jai Arrow for him. Oh, uh, standing, oh so right,
1: well it, it came at a it came at a great cost.
0: And in round 17, I'm going to remind you of this and say, hey, I've got Ari in my team, and then I'm going to remember that, oh no, is playing Origin, so it doesn't work out for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have
1: Aro next round, don't worry. I'm, I'm, he's coming straight back in the team, don't worry.
0: All right, well, let's um, just really quickly as well, looking at the the big trade-ins as well. There's, there's basically a quad forward trade-in of Sam Burgess, to Powell, um, for Fafita, and Tom Ololo, who are all at that sort of um, five six uh, 6.5% down to 2% range, uh, 3% range of being traded in. Four, all four of them are in the top 10 trade ins for this week, which is understandable. i um, not going to focus on them really because we have talked about them at nauseam for the last two months of this podcast. And if you didn't trade them in, so you had all four of them for this round, um, I really think you probably should have. I would have probably tried to make it that I was trading in uh, Sam Burgess and then having a, a crack at someone else um, to be able to trade in. I would have made sure that I had Lolo to Power and Fafita and tried to trade in Sergis, But um, a lot of guys haven't done that and they're having to choose out of the four. What, how would you rate those four really quickly? In what order would you be looking at how important they are for Fafita, Surges, to Power and Lolo? Well, I actually only own
1: Fafita and to Power. And I'm getting Tom Lolo and Sergis is the one I am considering skipping out on. Like, I totally agree. If you had all four, you're laughing. Um, they're definitely the four premium forwards for this week. Yep. Um, the thing with Sergis, obviously, is if he does play the Denver Test, he potentially misses around 16 and 17. So that's two weeks coming up that he's going to miss. Um, that same logic could apply to Powell, um, obviously, if he plays for New Zealand too. But I already own him, so that's not a problem to have to think about <laughs> in terms of training him in. Um and we I mean Tom Lolo's already said he's not playing, he's playing for Tonga, so don't have to worry about that with him and Fida obviously is not getting picked for Origin, so
0: he's
1: I mean, I think if you're ranking them, he's definitely the number one, but he's also so expensive. He's seven hundred grand.
0: Yeah, um, got, you
1: had to do it earlier. Well, yeah, absolutely. He he's he's gonna cost a lot now and you've got to Tal for 110 grand less, to Malolo for basically 74 grand less and then there's Sergis who's almost like he's 185,000 less than Safida. so in terms of points of value um, you know any of the other three are definitely looking better than Safida, but gosh she's been in good form.
0: Oh, he has been fantastic to own. Um let's let's move away from the Fords now though. Um, so a yeah. couple of back backs options. Um one of them is a guy that I've owned uh, the majority of the season, and that's been Blake Ferguson from the Roosters. A uh, little bit unlucky maybe not to make origin, uh, but Turbo being on one wing probably sealed his fate. Uh, I've been really happy as an owner. He's um, obviously had that really nice base for a winger there, and then when he goes on his try-scoring runs, he um, he scores quite well. So his last uh, four weeks, he's got 52, 51, 86, where he scored a try, 54, which had a try as well. Uh, But he's averaged around 65 for that month. Um, And he's averaging uh, 56 points a game so far this year, which considering the drop-off in centre wing is definitely a keeper um, area to consider having him in for the rest of the year. He's playing the Tigers round 13 since he's been omitted from origin, so he's a definite option. And he's also a guy, too, who has been moved to fullback for this week which I'm kind of excited for because um, he gets he'll get even more hit ups I think and probably a lot more tackle breaks than what he gets taking hit ups into a forward pack so um, I think he's quite a good option um, I know you've liked his base before is he someone that if if people have a spot in their centre wing and they're looking at someone maybe he's a better option than some of the Dugans or other hand grenades when you know you can keep Ferguson in there for the rest of the year after you get him.
1: Yeah, look, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I, at the start of the year, I always wanted a winger uh, from the Roosters and I picked a Patupo instead of Fergo. Same. Um, and <laughs> I wish I wish I had just, you know, looked at the prices and thought, you know, I'll, I'll spend 90 grand less and get Fergo and, you know, put that money elsewhere. Uh, but instead I spent up, one with Tufo and obviously... You know the rest is history. So look, I, I I am jealous of Soga owners. He's been really really good, like you said. Uh, aside from really really only one bad game where he scored twenty eight against the Warriors. Um, you know he's you know his next loss scores forty forty, and yeah. that's a that's a strong base for a, a center wing option, especially this year. So certainly can't blame you for wanting to own him. I definitely think if you. If you don't have a decent set of four center wingers, um, he's certainly worth consideration as not only by cover, but someone you can have for the rest of the year um, and and play with confidence each week.
0: Yeah, well, he's also someone who um, is, uh, I guess, going to benefit when the Roosters have some big runs of scoring, which has just started to turn the corner in their attack and it's looking like it might start to click and happen. Um, But also, he's a guy who isn't very well liked by a lot of people and therefore he's still a pod despite how well he's been playing. Nine percent of teams own him, still puts him in pod territory, so he's definitely a decent option for this week and just to keep in your team after that to save the extra trade. Uh, Click Gutherson is the other centre wing that I wanted to talk about, dual fullback centre wing. Um, He only scored 35 last week. The two weeks before he looked better at 60-60, but each of those had a try in them. Coming up against the Knights, though, um, he's 434k and he is one of those guys who, if you think that the Eels are going to do a number on the Knights, which is very possible, uh, then Gutherson might be at the centre of that. He top-scored heaps of games last year. Even if you take the goal-kicking out, he still would have top-scored with a couple of doubles here and there and just try scoring. Um, Playing in the number six jersey is going to suit him. Corey Norman's not there. Bevan French is uh, at fullback this week. Not a ball handler, not a ball player. At all. So it's very much gonna be um the Gutherson show on one side and uh Mitchell Moses on the other. Um I think there's a lot of things to like. We haven't really seen enough though, so it might be grabbing him on potential. Um but four hundred and thirty-five K Wilfred, not a bad center wing option for this week. No, I mean the the price is certainly
1: right, like he is cheap. I can s I can certainly see the appeal. Some Somehow, I think you've just been talking to Billy too much, no? no. Got <laughs> quite a few times.
0: I can't um, do it if he doesn't I have the goal line. kicking. Yeah, I can't do it if he doesn't have yeah. the goal kicking myself. If he had the goal kicking, I'd be all over him.
1: Yeah, look, I think that, that goal kicking certainly is a bit of a downer. Um,
0: I think for
1: me with Gato, he just... I mean, I got burnt bringing in Mansour the year he came back from his ACL. Um, you know, he looked so good for first few weeks. Just so he looked obviously so happy to get on the park and he was making tons of runs and just busting tackles and it looked like he was the man sort of old. Then I brought him in and, and within like two weeks he'd just reverted, like he lost all confidence. He didn't seem like he trusted his 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 leg. Um and, and it kind of felt like he was just tentative from that point on. But um, and, and then, you know, a lot of a lot of um, articles were, were written and things like that about um, how ACL recovery, like it's generally the 12 to 18 month mark where players can really start feeling like they have full control again. And, and when you think about those guys who have come back from ACLs in recent years, like the, the lights of RTS and, and Mansour, they've definitely looked much better once they've gotten past the 12 to 18 month mark. Yep. So I'm thinking maybe I learned from that lesson and, and you know, not take a punt on Gutho yet or let him, you know, get half a season in first. You know, get him closer to that 12-month mark before he's worth risking in your supercoach team. Having yeah. said that, he's so cheap. He's, he is very cheap right now for what he can do. So I certainly can't blame you for taking the punt. Um, and I know some people have already. And you know they're probably crossing their fingers and hoping that he's going to be able to kick on and at least you know make some money, and maybe if he doesn't turn out to be a keeper, at least they can make a profit out of him.
0: Yeah, I can't blame anyone to do it either. Um, and you raise really good points with his injury. Um, I am I'm not going to do it myself. Um, he needs to have the kicking for me to be interested again, and I'm worried at the stability at the Eels on what's going to happen there, um, and particularly with them coming at the bottom of the ladder as well. I don't really like it too much. Um, but that moves us on to our last trade-in option that we're going to talk about, um, which is our Smoky Pod trade-in of the week. Uh, just before that, Ersan Masters, uh marie Martin, and also Ryan Madison are all in the top 10, most traded in between 3 and 4%. We've spoken about those guys on the pod a lot before. All of them are good trade ins to make as well. Uh, we won't go through them again. But our pod of the week this week, to chat about briefly, uh, Jesse Ramian at the Sharks, currently being traded in by 3.5% of coaches, was at 2% ownership, so very much pod territory. Um, 465K, he ticks the boxes that you want as far as scoring with a combination of a low BE. So he's minus 28 BE at the moment. Um, and he benefited from the Sharks' demolition of the Knights on the weekend, um, scoring a really nice 113 uh, with a double. And the week before that, he scored a great solo, try to give him 68 points. Um, he is a bit of a smoky, Wilfred. And if the Sharks do carve up south, he's definitely one of those guys who um, could benefit significantly and even score another ton potentially.
1: Yeah, look, I... I think everything we said about Moylan earlier on pretty much applies to Jesse Ramian, except yep. he plays in the centre wing, and I think that's the appeal for me um, to to have a look at Ramian over Moylan because where Moylan's position is, it's just you know you've got Gareth Whittle, Um and, and you know I, I've got Anthony Milford. I don't—he's um, <laughs> obviously not exactly a keeper right now, but. You know, we know what he can do if he can turn it on, then, you know, potentially why would you want to get rid of you know, Milford and form and playing the way he could play? Um, you know what I mean? Like there's only two slots there, whereas in the center wing is seven positions and the, 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 prerequisite to be a keeper the center wing, center wing this year is much lower. So if you've got a guy who probably easier for you to get for starters, um you know you could probably sell the likes of his to him um you know if if you've got dual position you can sell someone like a kakao or or uh, jfh or or, you know if you've got one of those guys up in the forwards and they're obviously time is up uh for for fisher harris maybe kakao you don't have to sell you could keep him for the year but yeah like i can certainly see him ramian being much easier to get into your team and I see him as a much lower risk because of the fact that he's a center wing. Yep. And it seems like the question marks about job security, that's all seemingly gone because uh, I think Dugan's made the fullback his home. Uh, and obviously Dugan was where the right center position was before. Um, you know, ramy has got that now. Uh, it seems there's no real center um, depth because the, the outside backs seem to be fighting over the wing spots. Um, I, I don't think Edric Lee is a, a first-grade centre. He's barely a first-grade winger. Um,
0: first-grade anything.
1: <laughs> I didn't to <laughs> go that harsh. Um, and, and I think the, the cherry on top, I guess, I think he actually, Rambian's up against Red and Burns, if I'm not a if
0: I'm not... Ah, uh, he is. It just looks atrocious, that South City centre wing combo on either side, really. It's just not good. Braden Burns and Campbell, I think, are um, on that side. Oh, gosh. That's not...
1: Uh, actually, no, shouldn't it be Robert Jennings, probably on the left wing? Yeah, it could be Burns and Jennings. And then you've got Heimel Hunt probably playing right centre. and um, Well, Heimel Hunt's a little yeah, bit better defensively, so... Yeah, yeah.
0: It, maybe not up against Burns, if that's the case. So, he's a good trade-in. I think that um, guys can definitely do it. Um, and uh, I, for me, I'm a little bit worried about how he'll go after that. And kind of a little bit like Gutherson, I think that they could both go really well this round 13, but I might be sacrificing my centre-wing future by doing it, because they may very well not be that valuable after that, um, or give me some scores that I'm not going to want too much. So. That's kind of why I'm staying away, but if anyone wants a, a bit of a dark horse pod, I think Ramian's a great one for round 13. Ramian um, so, yeah,
1: with, um, um, sorry, yeah, yeah. I, I know you want to move on. I was just going to point out, his base, that's pretty decent. Aside from the one shocking week, uh, which is coincidentally against the Raiders again, uh, his next lowest score has been 35, um, and that's all base, you know. He gets stuck in, seems to average, but somewhere around the 10 to 15 tackle mark. And And he'll happily take a hit up from his end, so I think you know his floor seems to be around that thirty five to forty mark most weeks, which is you know almost fergo like um,
0: Well, let's so, not yeah, get too I carried away be... now. come on, King Fergo <laughs> settle down Fergo okay. almost I said almost <laughs> almost all right. that's fair, but I uh, know he does have a very good base it's um a good point, and you're going to get that out of him as well so yeah, a good option. Um, traded out this week, um, being a buy round, we're not going to really go into it, guys, because everyone that's trading people out are, are trading keepers and stuff out that they're going to get in later, and there's not really any right or wrongs with the trade-outs this week. Um, I probably will say that RFM, Havili, and Kickout are all being ditched a bit, um, and I think that if you could trade other guys instead of them, you'd be better off, but if you can't, then they're fine trade-outs. Only because all of them are going to play in round 17 anyway. And some of the teams I've seen trading out a kicker or an RFM really didn't need to because they had some other bum sitting there that wasn't playing round 13 anyway. So that's probably the only thing I'd watch for it. But one that I am going to focus on and our only real out we're going to talk about briefly um, is Anthony Milford Wilford. And that all rhymed, which worked out quite nicely. Milford Wilford, I'm trading him out myself. um, And I've got a bit of a crazy theory with what I'm going to do with him. Um, I've spoken on the pod um, before about Milford saying, I'm not going to get rid of him. I'm just going to hold him because when it comes to round 17, he plays the Titans. I really want him. Um, I've also used the numbers argument that he's, you know, a third below what, he's, what his lowest average ever is. He can't possibly have that sort of dip after the last four years of scoring 60s. Um, so he's got to get back towards the, the mean and score a lot better. I've turned around 360 and up with this amazing plan and it's going to sound like I'm burning trades because I probably am, but hear me out. I'm going to trade um, Milford to Matty Moylan um, and I'm then going to round 17, trade Maddie Moylan to Milford, pocket 120k and just keep Milford for the rest of the year as a backup when I need to play him. Um, sounds like I'm burning trades because I'm getting him out and then back in in a month's time. But my logic to it, um, and you know, what I say to a lot of people that talk about burning trades and stuff is, well, with the buy rounds, if you're going um, uh, to trade Moylan in for somebody anyway, and then in round 17, if you're going to burn a trade to get someone in anyway, it doesn't really matter whether it's Milford out, Milford in, or player X in, player Y out, it doesn't really make any difference. It's still two trades that it's costing you either way. You have to just sort of do what's best for your team and grab the best player available. So for me, I'm just going to go, Moylan, pocket my cash, get Milford in round 17 unless he gets injured or completely sucks. Um, so a little bit of a different strategy. Am I completely crazy um, with that or do you think it might actually work for me?
1: I think when you say pocket 120 grand, you could easily make more than 120 grand on that trade. It could be a, a greater swing than that. So, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. Um, you know, as someone who started with Milford, I think you did as well. Yep. Uh, we both know how painful it's been. Um, you know, especially for me as a Broncos fan. You know, I watch Milford obviously very closely, and it, it kind of I die a little inside each time he takes the ball up because he's 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 trying to decide whether he wants to set up the next play. Um, you know, whether he runs the ball himself, and then he he kind of has to let. Nicarima decide what to do next. Uh, I can tell he doesn't want to do that because Nicarima hasn't been the very good making very good choices. Um so he's always seemingly torn when his instinct would have probably been to take the line on and just run uh, nine times out of ten in the past. And that's killing his super coach scores. Because his his teammates don't know what he's gonna do. And when he runs, no one's going with him. And that means you know three defenders coming they can just tackle milford and you know he's he's strong and powerful but he's not going to bust through three people um, very often whereas if someone's pushing out with him all the time there's the threat of the line break assist with the offload um you know all, all the short pass before the line uh and, and that's when the defenses get put into two minds and milford can take you know take the chance to to run himself or or try to get the other player through. So when I'm not seeing that, uh, it's, 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 it's killing me inside (laughs) because I can see all the wasted opportunity. Like he's individually, he's not playing that bad. He's doing a pretty good job for Brisbane overall in a role he's not familiar in. So you can see him shaping the kick and you can see him trying to plan where he wants the ball for the start of the next, you know, the next play. And it's making his decision-making slower. So I think unless that suddenly changes, I think for the rest of the year, we're probably not going to see the Milford old. And maybe he's just going to be this 45 to 50 average guy. Every now and then he'll do something individually brilliant and, you know, bust out a 40-point play and that'll be a a nice spike score that he's got. You know, he's got the 100 from earlier this year. He's got a couple of 70s and 80s, um, you know. We see them every now and then, but it's not going to be as often as we we saw them in the past. That's my gut feeling right
0: now. Yeah, um, I'm lying off. He's uh he's is round sixteen to uh round eighteen run for that buy period. So round sixteen, he plays Canberra at SunCorp, then he plays the Gold Coast Titans away, but it's still in Queensland, and that's the big buy round. And then he plays the Warriors yeah. at, at SunCorp again. So that three week period. Um, Milford has a very good chance to go on a run and I dare say if you he could very well put in a massive score against the Gold Coast in round 17 and he probably has a good chance against Canberra at Suncorp as well so for that next buy round um, it could be pretty good. Um, I'm hoping that Maddie Moylan can make a decent amount of money in the next three weeks and I might be able to get him in for Canberra but yeah I think that Milford, yeah. you might be right, He might he might just not come good but He's a fine trade out. Um, I just, I guess, I probably what I'm saying to people is um, be careful about trading him out. If you think you're going to get to round 17 and you're going to want him for that round, um, you really need to plan ahead for that and say who who's my five eight going to be for round 17. Um, if you've got a bit of a plan like I do, then that's fine. Burn your two trades, but if you don't and you're going to end up being a bit short, then you know maybe you should be looking at trading someone else and just not playing Milford for a couple of weeks or something. Yeah,
1: look, uh, like I said, I can't blame you for that. I mean, I held Milford because I thought that month of Suncourt was going to be gold. Yeah. It wasn't. (laughs) Um, So disappointing. um, The run looks really good as well. I agree. Um, There's definitely the potential there. I just feel like he needs to work out. Either he needs to get good enough at playing instinctively again to be able to game manage and do the things he normally does. If, he can, if that clicks for him in the next couple of weeks, then we're set. I think we'll see the old Milford, um, you know, back in play. But like he's clearly doing something he's not used to doing, and it's impacting his game because he can't play instinctively um, and just play what he sees in front of him. And I think, you know, all the best players can do both things at the same time, and and that's what he can't do right now.
0: Yeah, you know, for sure. Yep.
1: If he can do it, then I think he's going to be. An absolute gun for the rest of the year, but
0: it's just it's hard right now. I can't blame so, yeah. anyone for dumping him at all, so um, certainly yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think it's fair enough. Um, so let's go into the home straight now. Um, quick run through on our TLT shortened version with uh, only half the games, obviously. Um, so the Seagulls versus Cowboys, um, obviously the um, Jaroyevichs are both out. So we've got Maddie Wright at fullback. Uh, Not particularly appealing, but Jake Travoy, which is actually covered by Sean Lane. So, I'm really happy that I bought Sean Lane um, six weeks ago. He's looking like he's going to get a good run at lock. Uh, Coruscant's returning from suspension in place of future immortal Lewis Brown, who is out of the side altogether. Um, And Brad Parker and the Gauze are the new names on the bench, and the Gauze I've been holding on to, so I'm super excited. Um, The Cows side before I get your take, has Coot back at fullback uh, with Morgan on origin duty, um, and then we've got Inari Tuala starting at centre again for his second game, uh, Ben Hampton, the reserve utility, um, Matt Scott might be a late scratch depending on how he goes at the judiciary, Sean Fenson, the, yeah, the uh, he's out. oh, he's out, is he? Oh, I didn't see the news, well, yeah, there we go, out. see you later, Matt Scott, don't get to play origin, or for the Cowboys, that's going to sting, um, Sean Fenton starting in second row for Cooper and Sam Hall called onto the bench. This is a game from a betting point of view, Wilfred. I'm going nowhere near. You know I like to have a punt on some of these NRL games. I'm not betting on this one at all. And to be honest, I don't think that I really want to be a part of it. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a very good game.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'm I'm fairly confident about in this game is Jason Tomalolo's minutes. Which yes. um, you know Matt's got out as well. There's every chance um, Fenson probably pushes up the prop. Um, I just can't see how he doesn't
0: play at least 65, 70 minutes in this game, if not the full 80. Look, if the cows are serious, they'll just be playing in 80 minutes. Um, and to be honest, that's probably a few rounds too late considering how they've been going. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, um, he's probably a BC option for me, being the first game. Yeah. Um, I might Definitely my VC this week Yeah, so he's a definite um, Good shout uh, I'm watching Thurston as well in this one Hoping to just see something, anything Just one offload would be an improvement Just something um, yeah. But he's just
1: for, not so for, bad For a pod VC I think um, Pal was also a good shout uh, Looking at that bench You've got a, a center wing You've got Gershavsky You've got Parrot And Sipley who didn't even make the park. Last week and played six minutes in his other game. Yep. So Barrett clearly doesn't trust him. Um, Parrots not played many minutes either. And, you know, I guess the other two don't impact Tapau. So really, you've got potential for 65 plus minutes for Tapau as well. And
0: I think the Cows know, give yeah. up a lot of offloads, to their pack as well. I'm pretty sure from the stats that their pack doesn't contain other forwards very well.
1: No, you're yeah, definitely right. And especially with every, pretty much everyone out except Tom Malolo. I mean, it could just be Tapal and Tom were all all are running at each other of the whole game.
0: Might be a first uh, Tapal 10 offload game in his career this week. wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) (laughs) All effective. DCE is the other one that um, might be a a sneaky VC option in this one. Um, I own DCE and and I did think about it for a minute. Um, It is at Lotto Land and if the cows keep playing how they are... um, that could be good for DCE. However, I, without the two Jovovich's, um, their attack might struggle a bit as well. Um, but, yeah, agreed. Uh, we'll move on and look at uh, the Rabbits uh, versus Sharks. So the Rabbits have got um, Adam Dewey at fullback, um, replacing Greg Inglis. Alex Johnson still not back. Um, and then Braden Birds and Heimel Hunt form a new center wing pairing with Dave Gagai out as well. Uh, Robbie Farrow replacing, replacing Damian Cook, and Sam Burgess shifting to an edge because Angus Crichton is on the orange duty and Cam Murray is going to come in and start at lock, which will be fantastic news for all the Murray owners out there that have been um, holding him begrudgingly. On the Shark side, we've got Fafida back at prop, um... And Kurt Capewell goes to the reserves. That's just a killer for people who thought they were going to make money out of Capewell and get him as a round 13 number. Fecky replaces yeah. Holmes on the wing. So, I mean, there's a couple of killer blows in that one, Wilfrid, between these two teams.
1: Yep, and Wade Grant's been found not guilty. So Capewell and Soros and known as a, are totally out of luck.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I was looking at... Um, when I got a trade done a few weeks ago... I was looking at the Gauz and Sorensen and tossing up. Oh, both of them have got broken hands. Which one am I going to get rid of? And I agonised over it all week and went, went Sorensen. Jeez, uh, I'm glad. Like, that's that's one of those thing, the strokes of luck that you need in this game where you just end up with yeah, the Gauz name to come back and Sorensen no chance of playing and capable as well. Um, Fafita's another option here where um, Fafita might tear into this South pack and go quite well. He might be just an outright captaincy option if you VC that first game.
1: Yep. Makes sense. Um, I guess, you know, the only question mark over that is, you know, what kind of minutes is he going to play? Like, surely he would be one of the first to be rested, Um, you know, given this ongoing injury that he's been carrying um, with basically a full-strength... Well, no, not basically, literally a full-strength Sharks pack now.
0: Um, yeah, the only concern is, I guess, that Wade Graham and Lewis are, have been injured, so maybe their minutes aren't fully up, but yeah, yeah you're probably right. Fafita's probably, well, I mean, Fafita's not going to be seeing those 80-minute games anymore, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think with, um, like, he's certainly going to be a safe captain. He's going to be 55, 60 minutes minimum, um, you know, and, and he's certainly not going to score badly.
0: I actually wanted to go VC uh, Matt Moylan on this one, because I do think the Sharks could tear the, the South's um, back line apart and get a lot of tries, um, yep. very much like last week. The problem I had was looking at the next game and the one after I wasn't sure who I'd actually captain. Um, so that was a bit of a worry. But this next one is the Eels West and Knights, Wilfred. Um, Corey Norman yeah. is the big news. Uh, <laughs> out of the side altogether. Um, Bevan French at full back, um, and Nathan Brown named on the extended reserves, like we said, so he's a big watch on the opposite side. um, Nathan Ross is out, Corey Dennis is back, um, playing centre after playing there, I think a year ago last time. Um, Caelan Pong is named despite the head knock, so that's good news. Um, So on this one, Wilfred, with this game, I did think that Eels could do a bit of a number, but there wasn't really any Eels that I wanted. Uh, if I do V C Matt Moylan, I might have the double dip of playmakers and go V C Moylan and see Ponger and see how it go.
1: Yeah, look, Ponga can kick kicking back at least helps him with that floor, so he's certainly a I mean, he's every chance of turning up, to be honest, against the Eels. Um none of these teams look really good to be honest. Um Fitzgibbon, another good pod caption option obviously, running at Mitch Moses.
0: Yep, very good shout
1: so the word is, Corey Norman's actually got an undisclosed foot injury. Um, length of time out, undisclosed. So it's all... It could be weak, week,
0: apparently. So it's all very hush-hush. That sounds like an undisclosed um, foot injury to let him go and talk to other teams on going somewhere else.
1: Or possibly. Or an internal punishment for, I don't know, positive drug test or something. But Who yeah. knows this Norman he's such a loose unit.
0: <laughs> well, um, um, there's, there's a couple of big blows, hey Like I know some people um, Which understandably brought in Norman Maybe a couple of weeks ago as a pod Because they liked the earlier run um, <coughs> Did not see that coming whatsoever People like you have held Nathan Brown He's maybe not going to be playing um, There's yeah, Herman there's, Her- SCS he he getting
1: suspended Oh, oh God, yeah that,
0: uh. That's another <laughs> one as well um, so this is like shaping up as a really good buy round for those that have been able to withstand the carnage because um, I, I haven't had any of that happen, so I'm looking pretty sweet. But it looks like you know, if the average per team for this round was going to be 10, I think after this TLT, it's going to be like 7 to 8 is going to be the average that people field um, with the better teams probably fielding maybe 10 to 12 range. So um, that's... Yeah, I think anybody who's got 15
1: um, plus this round is going to be, you know, Green Arrows rocketing up the standings,
0: to be honest. Yep, um, I'm salivating, can't wait. So uh, the last game... Me too, pretty keen. The last game of the round, we've got the Roosters, Tigers, uh, Tedesco, Mitchell, Cordner, all out, and Napa as well. So Ferguson moves to fullback, like we said, um, which is going to be good for Fergo owners. Joey Manu shifts to centre, with Daniel Tupo returning. is um, far too more expensive, it has like a 115 BE, I think, so he's not really an option. Um, Matthew Ikavalu is debuting in the centres. Uh, JWA starting at prop for Napa. Victor Radley in the second row um, with Ryan Madison and Lewitt Locke. lock. Yeah. Big Frankie Paul were caught on the bench, so a lot of changes for the Roosters. Um, the Tigers are completely unaffected by origin. Um, they've just got Hook uh, Jacob Little out, um, Elijah Taylor back to dummy half. Matt Eisenhut starting again, and Tim Grant joining the bench. So, quite a few roosters changes. Um, they still look pretty good, though. They've still got their halves intact and their hooker, which is good. And Fergo is a big watch for me. I'm kind of excited to see him uh, coming in from the back and taking some big runs. I'm also looking forward to Victor Radley starting as well.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I didn't expect him to see him at the edge. Um, given I think he's actually spent a lot of time playing in the middle um, when he's come on, like, interchange with a friend.
0: Yeah, he's played in the um, lower grades. Um, he's basically been um, anywhere in the pack bar by, by prop, so he's played on edges and, and yep, you know, okay. in, in 13 um, and also hooker as well. He's pretty versatile. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one. Are um, you eyeing off anyone in particular in this game to have a big one? Orvo, of course. <laughs> the uh, the 10th Immortal Orbo Well,
1: uh, to be honest, I think Fenua Up against Albo. <laughs> yeah, he um, might be a
0: bit of a uh, Pot C, hey
1: if, if you really want to have a You know, a bit of a swing swing To the bleachers Perhaps if you have had a really good week to start You want to finish it off in style uh, Fenua obviously You know, he could have he could have easily hit ninety if he scored his if his disallowed try didn't obviously get um, disallowed. So yeah, I I couldn't blame people for taking a pump on him. It was such great base and, and base attack with his offloads. Seven offloads last um, week. Seven. It's crazy. It's
0: insane. Most of them weren't effective, though. I think <laughs> that's all right. Just keep yeah. throwing it out the back way. Just keep getting those offloads. That's fine. Um, the other one that yeah. I was looking at too on this was uh, a guy that used to like a little bit in SC, uh Jake Friend, I almost brought in Jake Friend for Havili, um, purely because he was only three hundred and fifty grand and um and it was a downgrade from Havili. And I just thought, Well, you know, you know with Friend's tackling, even when he's playing really poorly, um, he's still gonna get uh, you know, forty points. So as your backup hooker, you could just throw him in there for round thirteen and just keep him there for the rest of the year as a backup.
1: Yeah, but he's been so rubbish, like he's oh, has he's been. been hooked a few times after playing like 45 minutes with Radley's been doing, like the Roosters look better when Radley plays hooker right now, and that's that's just really sad,
0: you know, for a friend. It's really sad as a rooster supporter that we actually re-signed the guy, honestly, he was he was showing signs of this 18 months ago, and for some reason, and you know, I'll go on a little bit of a segue before we uh, finish up, but i was saying to a mate of mine watching the Roosters on the weekend, what Jake Friend does and what he's done the last two years is like the Roosters issues in a nutshell. The guy makes the same mistakes every week, does the same dumb things every week, and for whatever reason, it looks like the Robbo and no one else ever has said to him in the last 48 games, mate, don't do that next week. Can you not do that? Can you not drop the ball? Can you not give away that penalty? Can you not you know, throw the ball to the wrong player that wasn't meant to get it or over-call your halves or whatever. Just watching that first half on the weekend against the Titans, Jake Friend did it a couple of times where his surface was terrible. Threw it to someone's back at one point um, and he was just yeah. awful. Like, And I was watching the Roosters do do the same dumb stuff and just like, I don't think Robbo gives any of them feedback ever. <laughs> it's just, they just do what they want. But that's, that's my well, rooster's rant.
1: Surely not, right? <laughs>
0: well, right, honestly, Jake Friend has has stuffed up that attack for almost two years now, yeah. has thrown terrible passes for a couple of years and taken really bad options. He just keeps doing it. From but... the
1: Robbie Farah. Oh. From the Robbie Farah.
0: <laughs> he really has. But anyway, we digress. Um, is there anything on the yeah. Tiger side that you're looking towards that you're a bit excited about?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, Nofo looking better and better each week, to be honest. Like, he didn't look as good as he did at the start of the year. Sorry, let me start again. At the start of the year, he didn't look as good as he did last year. Yeah, He looked a bit tentative, and I didn't know if that was because he got dropped um, to Reggie's for round one, and, and he had to kind of fight his way back into the team. Um, but the last couple of weeks, I've definitely looked at him, and he's running the ball with more confidence, and um, obviously still finishing when he gets the opportunity to as good as he always does. Um, so, the other thing is like a lot of us have Fanua and Masters already. Like who wants three Tigers oh, back? You couldn't do it to time. yourself, it surely. Definitely.
0: I'm looking at Fanua as yeah. a keeper now. I'm not even going to sell the guy. He's too good. So he's probably just going to stay in my you center wing till the end. Him.
1: Yeah, look, you can't sell him as long as he's doing as well as he's doing. And you can't sell Masters really either as long as he keeps kicking. Yeah, And hopefully he kicks a bit better. Um, and then <laughs> you can't buy no, <laughs> no one can carry, you know, three center wings from the Tigers. It's just—it's crazy, right?
0: Well, you may as well just buy Camp yeah. too, and all four center wings starting for you, you can be the Tigers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do know someone who actually owns uh, Corey Thompson uh, and the other three. So, oh they, wow, they're not—they're not even a Tigers fan. That's the
0: thing. That's that's a great thing to finish up on, Wilfred, because we, you know, we talked about the Tigers way too much. <laughs> They're not that yeah. exciting. Uh, but, just uh, the one but, last
1: one. What's yeah? your take on um, nothing out? You know, you've know, you got the Roosters winger, Ikevalu. I uh, He's obviously not going to stick around. I like, wouldn't. What if you were to just one and done him, basically?
0: I wouldn't stick around. Um, not like early? It? I think it's too early. Um, I'm looking at it for round 17. I think round 17 is the week and yep. mainly because um, when I balanced my round 13, round 17 coverage, I had to really strategically hold on to a lot of guys in different positions for round 17 and look at yep. really strategically who i trade. So I, I just don't have the space to be able to enough anybody. Um, looking ahead to around 17. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing too is um, when you're looking at the, the enough options that are playing, I just don't think that they're that safe. Um, like the, the Roosters centre that's debuting, for example, the Roosters have no backline depth at all. Um, it's, it's really, really poor. Um, so they just need one more injury at any point and, and that guy's going to be back. Um, you know, And Tupac yeah, could, could easily get hurt again. Um, he's been quite prone the last few years. Um, Tedesco has been quite prone as well, which will shift Fergo, And he'll be and our debutant will end up getting four or five games and and be a bit of an AE nightmare. So I think it's probably too early. Um, and I also don't think that there's any Round 13 options that are good play and enough.
1: Yep. No, that's perfectly fine. I thought I'd just ask a question since, you know, you obviously know a bit more about the Roosters than I do uh I, this guy's come from the clouds. I've never heard of him before. <laughs> Mate, our depth is so, awful in the backs.
0: Um, yeah, we had um, Roger Tumashek's brother, Johnny, um, came off contract at the end of last season and we didn't re-sign him. Um, yeah, he's gone back to Warriors, hasn't he? Yeah, and our other shining light... Um, Bernard Smith. Yeah, Bernard he's, Smith. He did his ACL. ACL. Yep, he hasn't played yeah. a game and he's not going to. So we really had nothing else after that. You know, it used to be those guys plus um, Manu and Manu's obviously come up into grade now, so we're really short. Sure. Yeah. We don't have anything. So, yeah,
1: steer clear. That's why Orvo's been playing there all season.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, mate, well, good luck this week. I um, hope you uh, rock it up the charts, but just not as far as what I will, because I'd like to overtake you at some point. <laughs> you. <Very cool. laughs>
1: You'll probably do it, do it in round 17, because I, I don't think I'll have many players in round 17 at this rate.
0: All right, well, maybe we'll make this uh, a Wilfred special and we'll get you on for the Round 17 pod, mate, and we'll we'll have a chat then and catch up. Sounds good, mate. All right, cheers, Wilfred. See ya. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, We are available on iTunes or SoundCloud to download on. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore AllStars. Uh, Otherwise, guys, uh, make sure you use your VC wisely this week and good luck with everybody's first buy round of the year. Cheers.